Well, this is my Bible. You have a Bible? Actually, I just pulled this off. We use technology so much, I had to really find my Bible today. Because so, <laughs> I've been, you know, you're out there on the computer world. But uh, it's great to be here. I appreciate you so much. Uh, I don't know all of you, but I tell you what, you have been with me and with Leslie for so many years, and it's been such a blessing. And uh, we're in uh, 67 nations now, and uh, it's, it's been a real experience. We'll be sharing some of that as soon as I put my glasses on. Unfortunately, they work, so I have to use them. Okay. Um, where do I begin with such an essential? The name of this is the essentials, essentials for your journey. And you might not say, well, I don't go on any journey. You, your life is a journey, everybody. <laughs> I want to let you know that. And you're not on that journey alone. There is one that has committed himself to you, and he is walking with you. And let me just say this, is that uh, there are some decisions in your life and in your future, and it might just be a word or two or three words. It might be something deep or long or important. Uh, my whole world changed with just three words. I'm a tennis pro, played uh, number one and captain of the tennis team for Michigan State University. And, and uh, on a tennis court, one of the last days that I was at school, uh, I was playing a stranger, which wasn't unusual. But in that moment, as I was playing him, I heard these words, read the Bible, read the Bible, read the Bible. So I'm looking around saying, who is talking to me? And I couldn't see anybody. But I keep hearing this voice. And I, my opponent was a good player, and I've never played him before. So I just stopped the match. I said, listen, you're going to think I'm crazy, but there's somebody I can't see, and he's saying, read the Bible. Isn't that crazy? I come from a religious background, was in church over 5,060 times, but going to hell. You know, and I feel I have a great compassion for people of the world because I was just looking at the statistics this morning on how many people in the world have never heard of their Salvation. They've never heard of a Savior. They've never heard of Jesus. And the range of which I was looking at in the, in the Bible, in the uh, computer, said two, most of them were 2 billion to 3 billion. Some of them were 4 billion. Now, it's hard for me to, to see that, but that many people on the earth will never see Jesus or, or even hear of him. And uh, that I, I say that because... We have been going around the earth for so long, and yet I feel like it's nothing compared to what's waiting out there. And I appreciate you, the fact that you're, you're the people that keep sending us to these places. Uh, my wife was preaching earlier today. Uh, maybe she spoke about Albania. I think he did, probably. Okay. Uh, what was the crisis they just had? Earthquake. Earthquake. Not every day, huh? 
But uh, what we were getting from them is we were getting call, phone calls and pictures, saw them on the computer, of, from pastors in Albania whose, whose churches were destroyed. And uh, so they were just saying, could you, could you give us something? We heard of your tents. Could you give us a tent because we have nowhere to meet and it's cold. So uh, we are sending two tents over there and another possibly two more. And uh, so it's, it really gratifies us to be a part of that. And also the, the food that they need. Oh, did you show them that? Go, come on up. Whoops. Let me, um, you probably have a microphone somewhere. I preached, if you didn't get the first, you weren't here in the first service, get the message. I think you'll enjoy it. Because um, it's 2020, which is the year, 20 is a year of, a cycle of completion. The Bible refers to several things that happen over 20-year periods of time. So, in keeping that in mind, I want to share, I just, the Lord has impressed my heart. There's so many things we do that don't happen overnight. They take time. And this was written, I think, in 98 or maybe 99, this 100 tenths across Eurasia, the 100 tent gospel. In here is a tent factory. In here are buildings in Moscow that are completed that are not yet. A vision for buildings that will be completed and a vision for a tent factory that is now built over 70 tents, and we have two different locations for a tent factory. They also, they've built 20 tents. I don't even include that in the number. They've built 20 tents in Estonia. Why do I share that? Because you all have been a part of this. Yeah. You have been a part of this. And so that 100th tent built in our factory in Russia was dedicated to the United States last fall. And so as Kevin speaks today, he has an amazing way of bringing forth the word of God to empower us to expectation in what the Lord wants to do in and through our lives. And so it's 2020. Let's believe God for perfect vision in every area of our lives. And that this would be a year of fulfillment of those things which have been spoken. And even though it may be for many a year of fulfillment, still the vision is clear. Wait for it. Tarry. Stand with him and get the first service message. It will bless you. But this church has been a significant part of this and also for the initiation of 50 states, 50 tents, and 50 teams, Tent Nation USA. And they're standing with us right now as we go into, you are, as we go into Daytona to get that building off the ground and to start a local service as well, where we can bring teams from all over the world for training into beautiful Daytona Beach. So we love you guys, and go for it. Go for it. All we'll right. we'll do it. <laughs> it, is a, it. It is a special moment for us. We are understanding that uh, I was really surprised when they said and they wrote that the 100th tent was finally built, and then they sent it to America isn't that wonderful? They really believe, they, they love America. They love you. I just got a new report from them from a country that uh, I have not been in, or actually I, I've been in it, but I didn't preach in it. But uh, we have now uh, uh, seven of their regions in Mongolia that have been reached with a tent. And I've been to Mongolia. Oh, I'm sorry, that's right, I forgot. Leslie went alone to Mongolia. <laughs> Resort place, I guess, is where. <laughs> only place, I, I did go through Mongolia, but the only thing I remember about it is that 
There was no food to eat. So, so where, do, where, where do you eat here? <laughs> you know? And it's, it's not such a tourist place. <laughs> but, uh, uh, okay, outback experience if you're a tourist. <laughs> but uh, anyway, they are growing now, and we're getting reports from Mongolia, and that, I'm just excited about that, that, that uh, a vision from one of our evangelists is to reach Mongolia. I'm so glad for that. And uh, we are seeing a change in the evangelist, that they, a new maturity is coming to the evangelist. And uh, we, we're training them every year, but I see a, a change now in them. They are taking on new projects. And uh, just thank yourself, thank God, thank the church for the ability to help source these people, help them to continue to reach uh, these regions that uh, 11 time zones over there. So you think America's big. It looks like a small butter, a butter cup, <laughs> you know, compared to some of the regions over there in Russia. And... Uh, but the people will be saved, and I believe for Mongolia. As will America. As will America, that's right. <laughs> yeah, there are oper- yeah, we have other projects that are going on uh, there in Europe. You know, when we got started in this, uh, we, first we married, we married each other. <laughs> but after, after we married, uh, we decided to do something that I don't think young married people do, but we decided to do it. I don't know why, but we decided to do things like this. We decided to, to climb the, the Grand Canyon. And <laughs> yeah, yeah, the Grand Canyon goes down, by the way, and then it comes back up. And uh, the interesting thing about, about it is that uh, with the word essentials, the word essential means vital, necessity, highly important, indispensable. That's what the word essential means. And uh, as we were deciding on this trip that we're going to take down the Grand Canyon, uh, we've never done anything like that. Kind of an odd thing to do being just married, but we thought let's have an adventure. Maybe that's why they call us Christian adventures. And uh, climbing down those, that, that mountain was an adventure, all day adventure. But the funny thing about it, the interesting thing about it was uh, as we were preparing, you had to go to a school actually because people die every year doing that. So you had to go to a school and they'll evaluate all the things you have to bring on this trip. And uh, all the uh, water, all the uh, things to eat, all the clothes to wear, all this stuff. And it was coming out to like 60 to 70 pounds. And we decided we're not going to do all that. (laughs) let's go, what, 20 pounds, 25 pounds, something comfortable on our backs as we go all the way down and then have to go all the way back up. And that's, that's what we did. And uh, it was interesting because along the trip down, we had to help so many people who had, because of the weight on them, they had uh, twisted their ankle or their knee or they fallen, they couldn't get back up, and we'd have to help them find help because we were on a mountain. <laughs> and and uh, it was real. I said, boy, am I glad I didn't use that 70-pound bag, you know? And uh, that's uh, when we talk about Christianity and about following Christ. All of us should have that aspect of being on some mountain, some edge that you're on. Some, it might be as small as a neighbor. 
It might be as great as a state or a country. But consider it your journey. It's your journey and your voice and your faith, your believing, what you believe. This is the critical thing. Believe is what you see and expect to happen. What you see and expect. And uh, when you can see it, you can do it. And it doesn't matter if anybody else can see it. If you can see it, you can do it. We have uh, in our overpass, we're known for this, for these 100 tents and uh, putting them up and seeing the, the, the countries and the many, many of the Russian affiliated countries like Kyrgyzstan, Kazakhstan, these are Muslim nations. And to put a giant tent into one of them, you're either going to make some tough friends or some really tough enemies. <laughs> You know? So uh, it was good, though. We, we just said, you know, no one's done it. Let's do it. And, and let's uh, believe God that it will change the nation. We saw thousands and thousands of Muslims born again. And uh, I, I, remember, I remember, because they're all Muslims, and the first time I'm preaching to all Muslims, and I remember finishing the message saying, now, everybody, I'm going to pray. And... Uh, Listen, I know that, uh, you know, you, you're, not, I'm not gonna, you're probably thinking he's going to try to twist us or, or turn us something, you know. I said, listen, this is what I'm going to do. I just pulled out a prayer on paper. I've never done this before. But I wanted them to see that I'm just going to read the prayer. I'm not going to try to push it on them. So I've just read the prayer. And then I said, now, in order to confirm that that prayer is real, I want you to, if you have a death ear or two death ears, or your friend's death, I want you to raise your hand. And about, I'd say 33 people raised their hand with, because of deaf ears. It was a lot of people there. And so I just prayed, and I spoke to those deaf ears. I said, we got to start somewhere, everybody, because I know there are some problems you have in other areas of your life. But you want to know that God, the God who's created the earth, is alive, and, he, and you can know him and experience him. But I know that's just, you know, you're talking to an, another religion. I, so I said, I know that, that you just have to see this. So you guys who are deaf or partially deaf, put your hands on your, on your head. And uh, I, did, I did that. I prayed with them. And I said, now, if you have a changed ear, talk to your neighbors and, and talk. Let them talk and then you talk and seek. Are you in a conversation? 31 came forward with new ears. Uh, new hearing, yeah. And, uh, but what, the, one, the one most interesting one that really got everybody there involved was the third testimony. We, we wanted to hear their testimony. The third testimony was a beautiful young lady who had no ear. I mean, no ear. Just, just a hole right there. And uh, she was the third one to give testimony. I was like, what would be her testimony, you know? <laughs> and... Uh, she says, I can, I can hear through the hole in my head. And I'm saying, you can hear through that hole. She goes, yeah. So I said, well, we got to test this. Everybody, <laughs> we got to test this. So we just really made a long testimony of that one. And, <laughs> and uh, I said, listen, it was Jesus who came in and touched your ear. And she told me, she said to everybody, I fell into this lake when I was, when it was, young, when I was young. 
and I went down and I got infected. And the doctors didn't know what to do with the infection, so they took out the whole ear. And so she goes, I'm so happy I can hear through this hole. And, uh, and I'm like, everybody, you probably have problems. You probably have things you don't know, places you, you don't know what the future is. You will know that today. And thousands of people gave their life to Christ. And I was so pleased that God is willing to help people. That's God helping people to believe. You know, and uh, so that country and, and uh, Kazakhstan also, uh, they're doing pretty good right now, Christian, Christianity-wise, they're doing good. And our, our ministers have gone back in there over and over. So I'm really pleased to be a part of that. And uh, that's why I wanted to let you know that I'm very pleased that you have been such a part of what we're doing. And I had a pastor here from America call me just a couple months ago. He says, Kevin, I got some bad news for you. So I was thinking, okay, this pastor, he's a good man. He's very, very small church. Uh, he's, but he's been faithful giving $20 a month, and he's been doing it over a long period of time. He goes, now he's got bad news, so that means he's probably going to not be able to, to help anymore. So I said, well, what's the bad news? He goes, well, I had a vision from Jesus. He came. And he said, he, he said, come follow him. So I got up and I started to follow him. And we were on this road and there were people on the right. And he said, he turned, stopped and said to the pastor, all these people are yours. He goes, Jesus, I don't know any of these people. And Jesus wouldn't respond, just kept him walking. Walked to another, around another bend, about three times more people. And he stopped again. He said, all these people are yours. And he said, okay, but I don't know any of them. Jesus, I don't know them. And Jesus would not respond. He said, follow me. So he turned them around to a big mass of people, thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people. And he looked at, at him and said, all these people are yours. He goes, Jesus, explain this to me. How could that be? I don't know one of them. And then uh, he said he came back down. And he, says, he said, Kevin, I've been quiet for two weeks looking for what does this mean? And then it dawned on me. We've been supporting you over these years. And Jesus has accredited all of your work to me. So you work for me, Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, you know what? I haven't been to heaven. I don't know the, the regulations of heaven. So maybe you're right. <laughs> you know? Maybe that's how it works. I don't know. But uh, anyway, I just want to say I thank you for supporting us and that God will someday show a blessing to you because of the faithfulness that you've been to the work in overseas. Amen. We, uh, we had the privilege of uh, the growth of our ministry. Part of it was uh, the fact that we were, impressed, we were moving in across Russia into all 11 time zones with the ministry. I got a phone call from T.L. Osborne, and uh, he's the most, at that time, one of the most famous preachers of the world and has been in the world all his life and have seen more people, just millions of people saved. And so he called. I've never talked to him, never really seen him. I knew him, I knew his name. And he called and he says, uh, is this Dr. McNulty? I said, yes. He goes, I understand that you can go all the way across Russia. I said, yes, that's true. 
And he says, so you have done that? I said, yes. He says, well, my Daisy has died. His, his wife has died. And the income that came from the death, I forgot what you call that. but uh, Insurance. Insurance. That, that $50,000, I want to, because I've never done anything for Russia, I want to give Russia um, my books. And so I'm going to print them in Russian. And could you find me a printer there? And I said, yes. And uh, so he said, well... I want to go, I want these books to go all the way across Russia. And I said, he said, would you come and talk to me about it? So I said, yes. So I got on a plane, flew to his house, and uh, we sat down, and uh, we talked about Russia. And he says, well, will you do it? And I said, no. He said, you flew all the way here to tell me no? <laughs> I said, yes. I said, why? Why No. I said, because, Dr. Osborne, the Russians, they, they read seven books for every one book that an American will read. I said, they will read the books, but they have to have the author of the book in the country. And so, I, would, I, would, I want to take you across Russia, just one time, take you across, and we'll set up ten cities of Russia, and if you'll just come and let the... Let the let all of them see. Let the Russians know you. They will, they will want and they will change. Your books will change them. They will want them. And so he came over. And that started another aspect of our, of our life. Because we, did, we didn't ask him to pay for anything. Matter of fact, he never has paid for anything. We started working uh, for him uh, and with him for 16 years. And... The, the only thing, he, I said, you know, we're going to have to preach. And he said, no one's ever preached except my, my wife. So he said, so you can preach. You and Leslie can preach with him. with him. So we went first around Russia, and then Poland came into Russia and said, would you come to Poland? Then Ukraine came in and said, would you come to Ukraine? And before you knew it, Dr. Osborne, Leslie, and I were traveling as a team around the world for a little over 10 years. And it was quite a, well, pardon me, 15 years. 15, my goodness. <laughs> but anyway, I just uh, wanted to let you know that it, it, that it was just a little, a little phone call that started that. In your life, it could be just a little phone call that starts your future or changes your your, the condition. Remember this, that God is alive. Jesus lives in you. You have not only his presence in you, but you have his voice in you. And to be sensitive to that, in fact, I wrote about that. Um, <laughs> where did I put all that? But anyway, where is it? Maybe it's in the Bible. Maybe it's in my other Bible. <laughs> oh, you know, I have a tendency to write. Uh, I come from a family of writers. My father was the editor of Detroit News. My uh, eldest brother was the editor of Chicago Tribune. My next oldest brother is the uh, Ohio University editor. And so I come from writers, but obviously not organizers. <laughs> 
but uh, uh, I just was writing on the subject of these important while I'm looking let me just tell you here's just some just, I just saw this yesterday and I thought that's only a little bit of it but here where we've been with the message Togo Germany, Mongolia, Bulgaria, Crimea, Russia, India, Norway, Australia, China, Armenia, no, uh, San Jose, uh, Costa Rica, Rica, uh, Cuba, Poland, uh, Ghana, Kazakhstan, Latvia. And that's just a portion of, of... the impact, and I'm so, I look at that, and I got to call my office and say, give me though all of it, you know, <laughs> but, but I said, that's enough, but uh, you're going with us into, these, into this world, and sometimes there's a, a, we pray a lot that the sensitivities of the state, of the country, that they will be hungry, and that we have to, we have to go there, we've written our own manuals for when we're on the road what it is that we're looking for because you have to hit the, the country at the right time with the right place and the right people. And so that takes time. It takes somebody to study each nation. And uh, that's what we do, and we'll continue to do that. I'm excited about it. So, uh, the essentials for the journey. You have a journey. It might not be my journey, but you have a journey. I'm just looking at some of the things that I've written. Did you, oh, I already told you this, that the, the numbers, the statistics that you can find online, uh, they're actually a little scary to me because they're talking in billions when it comes to people. And so don't ever feel like, well, I've done my best. You haven't. There's more people that need what you have Say this, I have it. it. Say that again, I have it. it. You don't have to wait, you don't have to pray, you don't have to to just uh, do something special. You have Jesus Christ in you. You have the answer for every human being on the earth. When I started the ministry, I had no clue what the ministry was. All I had was I... I was in the middle of a tennis match, as I said. I went home after uh, he, I said, you know, I asked him about this thing that was happening about read the Bible. He went, to his, he went to his car, opened up, and there were some Bibles and some books. He gave them to me. And I thought, that's nice. And so I went home. And I said, what a coincidence, though, that this guy, stranger, would have these books. So I, I started reading. I read the Bible for two weeks. You know what my conclusion was? I don't know what it's trying to say. <laughs> Real holy guy. <laughs> but I was reading it just like, what is this saying? And uh, so I went outside under a tree at uh, Michigan State University and just, just said, Jesus, if you're there, uh, you're going to have to show me. I will, because as a tennis pro, you have to commit your whole time and focus on what you're doing in order to be good. 
And so I just said, I'm going to commit my whole time and service to you if what this book is saying about you is real, then I'm going to give myself to you if you give yourself to me. And right then, a change occurred in my life. I hope it's occurred in your life. But right then, it's like a scrub brush. <laughs> I've gotten used to scrub brushes now. <laughs> and this scrub brush is going down in me and just like, I said, what is this? I feel like I'm being cleaned up everywhere. It's like it's going all over my insides, cleaning me up. And then after that feeling of being clean, then, because I'm from Michigan, it's always cloudy in Michigan, the clouds opened up. And I heard a voice come right out of that cloud, uh, that opening, and it said just a few words, I'll see you here. And I'm like, wow. I've been in church over 5,000 times. I never would have thought I was going to heaven. <laughs> you know, that's heaven talking. And it's saying that I'm going. That means I know that I'm going. I know my future. And I said, boy, nobody in my family, nobody in my, all, all my friends ever said they knew where they were going. I said, and now I know where I'm going. I know my past also is gone. It's washed away. It's cleaned up. And my future is secure. And uh, I didn't have, a, I'm not like, I didn't have like four programs or four studies or anything like that. I just, logic, what should I do? So I said, okay, now I know my past is gone. I know my future is coming. So what should I do? And I just thought, well, you know, everybody in the whole world should know this. Even today, if you're, you're sitting there and you don't know, if you just hope, if you don't know, you don't go. I want to tell you that. <laughs> if you don't know, you don't go. So, so that, from that day, I knew that I was going to heaven. So if I knew I was going to heaven, whether good, bad, or ugly, I knew that this Jesus was alive, and I knew that he was in me. And then began the story of learning his voice. Say, Jesus has a voice. Say that with me. And he speaks to me. Yeah, you know, trust that voice. Learn that voice. And uh, you'll see a wonderful, wonderful experience in life. Uh, you say, well, what is that voice like? Well, you just have to pick it up on yourself. He, it is, it is under, understandable, though. And uh, I remember driving home with my brother, Patrick. And uh, to go home, I just said, you know, I'm going to take a left right here. He goes, he's complaining. He goes, Kevin, that's not going home. That's going a wrong way. And uh, I said, I feel like I'm supposed to go this way. <laughs> and just about 500 feet down the road from making that turn, there was a car accident in front of me. And that was a car that was, a, a, girl, a lady that was in her car was rammed by a car from behind her. And she was thrown out into the street through the front window and landed in front of my car. So I'm like, I said, Pat, we got to stop here. <laughs> and I just ran out to her and I grabbed her by the head and I said, can you hear me? She, she's nodding because the blood is rolling down her face. And she's not, I said, you can hear me. She goes, I said, okay, I'm going to pray with you. I said, do you know Jesus? She goes, just no. I said, do you want to know him? <laughs> <laughs> I said, okay, we're going to pray. 
And I, I said, I know that you can't speak now because blood's pouring out of her mouth. I said, I, but your nod will be count as a yes. I, so I, I gave the sinner's prayer and prayed with her, and she nodded and fell dead. And I looked, I mean, my hand was so full of blood that she died in my hand. So I was just thinking, boy, I'm so glad that I made that left-hand turn. I'm so glad. And I just want you to know that sometimes you might be doing things that you just don't quite understand. But trust that you're not here alone. There is someone working with you. And there are needs of people around us. We don't know sometimes what those needs are. But uh, I want you to be sensitive to that voice. It's not, the voice is not, I mean, thank God you come to, come to church. I think it's a really place to inspire yourself, enlarge yourself. But your life is 24 hours a day. And it's valuable, it's precious, and it's the first step into your eternity. So that's why you open yourself up to your society. You have joy. Why? Because you know where you're going. Amen. And you know where you've been. And you know who you are. Amen. And that, that new reality makes you the happiest people in the world. Amen. And people want to be happy around you. There's all sorts of reasons for people to be sad. But you're the one who's glad. Hallelujah. You don't mind if I just share some experiences sometime that might help you? You know, um, I had a meeting in, in the Ukraine, and uh, at the, I had wonderful miracles for the whole week. And then the last day, the tent was full, and the last day, I, uh, I said, anybody here sick? Everybody had been healed. That was in the tent. Yeah, I said, there's nobody here that's sick. And uh, yeah, I said, this is the last night. So I said, well, I like to pray for the sick. So I tell you what, how many here, you have family and they're not in this state or this country? And uh, how many here have friends or family members that are sick? And all, a lot of hands went up. And I said, Pull out your phone and call them right now. We're going to pray for them over the phone. I'd never done that before. I had a prayer meeting <laughs> on the phone <laughs> with all sorts of people from different places, you know. So uh, I prayed, and I heard this screaming going on. I said, what is it? She says, that my mother, she was on her deathbed in Africa. And I was, this was in the Ukraine we were. And I knew she was dying. She was on her deathbed, just hours away from dying. And you prayed with her over the phone, and she got up totally healed off of her bed. So, so I want you to know that you have phones. Those, those, you might not know the people. I didn't know her. But I, did, I just discovered that the power of the words and the power of the, the ears. And I want you to know that you have that power in you and you can therefore touch, heal, help, lift people you might not even know or see 
or maybe those that you do know. But I want you to know that, you're, that that's how important you are, that you are the voice of God in the earth for this generation. You can't say I was for the past generations. Yes, we have history books upon history books of what happened in the past. But you are the book of what's happening in the present. And therefore, you're going to end up having to broaden your, your tent here. Your, this is a tent that handles a lot better rain than mine. <laughs> so, but uh, I wanted to let you know that. <laughs> Hallelujah. You know, don't we all love our family? Or maybe you don't. <laughs> I shouldn't say that all. Don't most of us? <laughs> well, I come from a, a large Irish Catholic family, 10 people. And uh, I asked my mother, why 10? She goes, I don't know. It always happened in the dark. So, <laughs> so, 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 uh, <laughs> so we had a lot of kids, a lot of brothers and sisters, you know. And uh, we were not, we were not uh, Christian. We were heavily Catholic. If, you, if I picked up a stone and threw it out my front window, I would hit, I would hit the nunnery. If I threw it out my, my back window, I would hit the, where the, the priests all live. I was surrounded by them. <laughs> and, and we had to go to church there. And I'd, I mean, five school there too. 5,000 60 times. I counted it. How many times I was in that church? <laughs> and, and, said, and I, you tell me, are you going to heaven? I said, I don't have a clue where I'm going. You know? I don't have, I, I, I could say the things in Latin, but I couldn't know what they meant in English. <laughs> you know? But uh, anyway, that, that was my beginning. And I, I wanted to my, my, my whole family went there. So I said, you know, I've got to be careful with my family. They think I'm crazy. Everybody in the tennis world thought I was crazy. What are you doing? You were given, I was given the job of a head coach of Central Michigan University, 22,000 students, as a precursor to the head job of, of Michigan State University, 44,000 students. I was given the job just because I asked for it. And they said, I, you're the one. So I'm, I'm like, this is great. And then, <laughs> and then uh, I'm in my room at the, at the Michigan State, and the wind is blowing in my apartment. And I'm saying, oh, I must have left the window open. But it, boy, it's a strong wind because it's moving everything that I put up on the walls. And uh, so I went there to, to uh, close it, <clears throat> and it was closed. The window. the window was closed. So I turned around, and I said, where is the wind coming from? And Jesus walked through the door. And uh, I looked at him, and he just came up to me, and he reached out his hand. He said, what are you going to do with the rest of your life? Well, I'm going to play tennis. <laughs> you know, you know I, had, I worked for it. It was now going to pay off. <laughs> but... Uh, <laughs> Uh, instead of saying that, I said, I'm going to gather and collect dead bodies and pump on old hearts. And I'll say, well, who said that? Who said that? <laughs> what is that? And uh, now I had just four days earlier 
made a decision to believe in Jesus. So here he is in person asking me this question. And then I come from a family of writers, so I had all sorts of books all the way up to the ceiling. Books, books, books. And uh, he said, throw that one, keep that one, throw that one, keep that one. So I got out of the trash can. Every time he said throw, I would throw that book, you know. I have no reason or no why I'm throwing books, except the fact that he told me to do it. So that was my, uh, uh, you know, when you're in that type of situation, you might start thinking that you're a little crazy. You know, you know what in your family Good people have ever said that they have those type of encounters. And I surely wasn't looking for that encounter. So I, uh, I had went to my first, I found in the university, I found there was somebody having a Bible study. Well, I didn't have a clue about the Bible other than that book, the Bible that was given to me in those 50 cent books. I'm gonna get you a bunch of 50 cent books. I got more out of those 50 cent books than I did out of that Bible. <laughs> Because it, because it captured the thoughts and, and the ideas and the experience and it put it there in just 50 cents. Say, Kevin, I'll buy it if you make it. <laughs> I'll sell one book here, okay? <laughs> okay, I was telling you about that. Oh, because of my family. And I didn't want to, you know, I don't want to overdo it with my family because I know the way they are. They're one, they're reporters, so they're not going to, they're going to sit on the middle of the fence. They're never going to go on one side or the other. That's how reporters are. And I said, okay, I've got a whole bunch of reporters around me, and, uh, including this, my sisters. So I uh, went to my first Bible study. And on the way to the Bible study, this is why I mean, Little things can make a big difference in your life. First Bible study. I don't even remember yours. But I'm walking to this a little apartment where they're going to have this Bible study. And on the way across the, the streets, I hear a voice speak to me. And he says, buy a scroll. A scroll. Does anybody here even know what a scroll is today? I mean, do we have scrolls anymore? No, we don't. I don't think so. But I, I, we didn't have them then. So I said, a scroll. I know what a scroll is. So I, uh, I said, well, okay, buy a scroll, whatever that means. <laughs> so I went into the nearest shop store, and uh, I said, listen, do you sell scrolls here? I said, they said, well, yes, for the university we sell scrolls. I said, can I buy one? I said, yes. So I bought this scroll. I said, okay, that's nice. <laughs> Put it in my pocket. I don't know what I'm doing that for. But I'm on my way to my first Bible study. I sit down. There's a room full of people. And the person who is going to do the teaching comes out. And he says, well, everyone, I had a message ready for today. But just about seven minutes ago, the Lord spoke to me. And he says to write the names of everybody on a scroll. And he says, oh, it's too late for me to go get a scroll. Uh, and, so, and so he said, if I had a scroll, I would write your names on it. And I, so I said, I got a scroll. Yeah. 
<laughs> he goes, you got a scroll? Yeah, it's a habit of mine to walk around with scrolls, you know. <laughs> so, so, so he wanted it, you know, he wanted it. God said to have a scroll. So I said, no, not yet. So I got out my pen, you know, and stretched out that scroll. It's kind of hard to stretch out. You kind of, because you've got to keep it down because it rolls up, you know. And so I'm right, I wrote on all. I said, okay, God, here's the deal. I always like to make deals with God. I don't know about you. But, but I always. All the family members. Yeah, I wrote down all the family names on the scroll. Wow. I said, now you write down who you want, but these are on the scroll, and I want everybody to know it. <laughs> so I said, I, all these that I'm writing on the scroll, and this is what the guy said the names on the scroll will be saved. And so I said, praise God. I don't have to talk to them. God's going to talk to them. You know? <laughs> so so uh, they, uh, he did it, and everybody else was doing it. I didn't even have to see the scroll anymore. You know, just know it was there. Sure enough, I'm starting to get phone calls from my family. My brother, who's, who's been, the, he's been the writer for four of the presidents of the United States, has traveled with him has his offices, one of his offices in Washington, D.C. And uh, he called up and he says, Kevin, because he knew I was a Christian. I was, Kevin, what are you doing? Who are you? How are you contacting these people to talk to me? Because he travels the world to do these editorials, you know. And he goes, he's thinking, he's thinking I'm sending these people. He says, every day somebody comes up to me and says they want me to be a Christian. <laughs> Every day they want to pray with me. I don't want to pray with them. How are you knowing where I am? I said, oh, it takes a little bit of work. <laughs> no, I didn't know how it was happening, but it was happening all over until the day where he was in uh, that, well, it was a country that was in war with a Muslim, Lebanon. Lebanon. And he was in there doing a pro writing for the, the USA there in Lebanon during the war. And the, the Muslims decided that day that, that uh, David, the David the Cap, David yeah, the, the David Hotel is where he was staying. And they came in, the Muslims had already made a contract that no, there'll be neutrality at, the, at that place. But they decided that the news coming out of it was not very Muslim, not very good for Islam. So they went in with machine guns and they went out and they start killing everybody in the hotel. Wow. And he's on the third floor. He sees what's happening. He runs to the door. He doesn't have a gun. And so he gets down in his, on his knees in his room. And, uh, and he starts praying. And he's praying, you know, just a real, his heart's going out because he knows it's a matter of minutes before they break down his door. So he's, he's going out. He makes a connection with Jesus. He hears the people on the right side. The door is punched open. The machine gun goes. He's listening. He's next. He hears the, the, on the other side. The door is pushed open. The machine gun goes. Everybody's being killed in the hotel. And there he is. They overlooked his room. And he says, Kevin, I had to realize that that was God because everybody's dying around me. And... Uh, so anyway, he's actually, uh, when, I get, when I get back home this week coming up, uh, he, uh, he said he'd do a book for me. So that's good. At least he's a good editor. 
I don't know how, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't read his, his Christian book, but at least I would let him read mine and get the writing bright. So, uh, but anyway, uh, I want to let you know that that's a sensitivity and that you, uh, you can have that sensitivity. And that's why we're, we're writing about this, talking about these essentials for the journey. Your journey is different than my journey. But your journey, you're going to run across people that I will never run across. Don't ever think that because you're in church that the people around you or the people you meet, they, they ever go to church or they ever go to a church that it's amazing how many churches, uh, they don't see any miracles. They don't hear of any commitments. It's just being good people. But that's not what Christianity is. Christianity is with Jesus the same Jesus that rose from the dead. I tell you, people, you are dead, 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 unless Jesus comes to live in you. <laughs> it's it's bad day for you in the future if you don't know that he is. Not hope. Don't hope that he's there. Know that he's there. Do whatever it takes to know that it's there. It's not just a prayer. It's not even coming forward to pray with me or to pray with. No, it's a decision and you have this power. The same power that God has is the power to make your own decision. He made his decision and in that decision, it was a willingness to die on a cross. It was a willingness to take our sins. It was a willingness. To, here is God the Son sacrificing himself. Why? Because he believed in you. He believed in people. And all people have to do is say, yes, Lord. That's all they have to say. Yep. Are you enjoying this so far? <laughs> well. Pardon me? Essentials. Yes, essentials. Let me just say this about you okay, and me, that God does not release everything without your tongue and your actions. People say, well, I can say anything I want. No, you can't. I mean, you can, but I tell you what, there is a life in the words. And it was your words, your tongue, and your heart that makes the difference in your future. It was, I believed this. It's an, it's an expectation of your heart it's a desire of your heart. I cannot see your heart, but it's there. And when that heart makes a decision, it could be any type of decision. We're making decisions all the time, aren't we? When you got up this morning, I'm making a decision. I'm going to go to church, okay? You, you, I don't know where you made that decision to follow Christ or to be with like Christ or to be, or to be filled with the Holy Spirit of God or all the things that, that he's made available. But they're all available for humanity. He loves us. He cares for us. He's got a plan for you, a plan for me. And we can pick up his signals. And that's what life's really about, picking up those signals. Yeah. And you say, well, what if, it's, what if it's not important? Listen, all things start, the beginning of all things is small. Forget not the days of small beginnings. Amen? So don't let that bother you. Eternity is too long. Heaven is too real. Hell is too hot. Our responsibilities are too great to be weak, afraid, or concerned. Okay? 
I just want you to understand that about yourself. Uh, the, the essentials of sight and vision. Write it down so that, that he who sees it will run with it. That's what the scripture says. Write it down so that he who sees it will run with it. Let me tell you a little secret. I'm still playing good tennis. They still call me up about five times a week to play. I don't play that much. I play maybe, if best, once a week, you know. But this is what I still do 45 years into this tennis. I still write it down so that those who see it will run with it. I do it with scriptures. Leslie will tell you, this guy is always writing. <laughs> I do. I write a lot. But I do it with, the, with tennis, too. I carry a pen and a paper as I'm playing tennis. You know why? Because I'm still perfecting my game. I'm still improving. it. They're, they're still calling me, and they're still wanting me to be always on the winning team. And it's like, well, I want to keep playing, too. <laughs> you know? But I don't play as much as they play. But uh, they always are there. That's the essentials, though. I know what it was. I, I, when I started, just, I'm just kind of, wherever you are, start. With tennis, I, well, I, you know who taught me tennis? It was a guy who worked in a mill in, in a car factory in Detroit. He was not a tennis player. But he read a book on, a Bill Tilton book on tennis. And he said, I'm going to teach young boys how to play tennis. He didn't have a clue, but he did get us all together and, and he got a bucket of book, balls. And so I would run and hit, I would hit thousands and thousands and thousands of balls. My whole life seemed to be me and Wally. Because <laughs> I would hit the ball against that wall for hours and hours and hours. And what I did was I created a mentality within my body system so that my hand would know exactly how to hit that ball so it would land in on both sides and then on the service. And so I became very good, very good at that time, very good. I played over 100 tennis tournaments where I, where I was either a winner or a runner-up. And uh, I, would, I wasn't so paying so much attention to the, all the trophies they gave me. You would think I would care about them, but I didn't care about them. Actually, I think I gave them to my younger brother. I still can't find out where they are now. But, but, but the fact is, I, I was glad to do it. It was a, a great experience. But it, the transforming, what I learned from them, what I learned from that was the consistency that you must create within yourself. If you're going to have success, you must create some consistency. And that's what I did. And that's what I do in, in, in the ministry. Be consistent and be caring. Amen. Hallelujah. Here are some of the things that happened over the time. I was uh, in, in um, Russia, and a girl was uh, in the street. I was looking out the window. I saw this girl in the street. Actually, I, had already, I was at 3 in the morning. Now, this is another thing about hearing God's voice. At 3 in the morning, I hear this word. It said, go downstairs. 3 in the morning. I said, and I'm alone. I said, it's a, it's a, it's a city I don't even know. You know, and <laughs> go downstairs. I said, oh, okay, I'll do that in the morning. <laughs> go downstairs. Um, can't you see I'm sleeping right now? <laughs> go downstairs. So I'm like, okay, he knows I'm awake now. So 
<laughs> put on some clothes, went downstairs. I said, you're three in the morning. There's nobody downstairs, right? Three in the morning. So there's this one girl that's just sitting there down about 50 feet down, sitting on the road. And uh, so I went to her and I, I said, uh, are you hungry? And she said, yes. I said, I'm going to come back here with a sandwich. You know, as a Christian, you got to sometimes have a give to as well as a get to. <laughs> so, so I came back down with the sandwich. I said, here. I said, I said, what are you doing here? She goes, well, I'm going to die tonight. I'm like, you're going to die tonight? She goes, yes. There's these six guys. They're on the third floor up here, and they're going to be killing me in a little while. And uh, I'm like, Whoa. I said, you're either in Maryland or, or you have something really happy about to happen. And uh, I said, would you bring me up to this room where you say you're going to die tonight? Because I, I was hard for me to believe that she was really going to, you know. So uh, I went up there. They were not in the room. She opened it up. Just It wasn't locked. She opened it up. And there was all sorts of guns, knives. This lady was going to get killed. There were all sorts of stuff and evil stuff that was there in the paintings and all that were really evil. And I said, we're getting out of here right now. <laughs> you know, if these people come back, I see what they can do. So I went downstairs with her. I said, listen, you have got to find yourself right now. You've got to find yourself. She goes, how do I do that? I said, you'll find Jesus and you'll find yourself. So she goes, I said, will you find Jesus? She goes, if you will, let me, I will. So I prayed with her, and the fog lifted off of her. Because I, I felt that what, it, what happened is I think that she had been hypnotized. And I don't know that much about hypnotism, but she was talking like she was hypnotized and willing to die. She was, she, they had been training her that she was going to die. So I said, listen, you are now free. Where, what city is your mother and father in? She told me the city. I said, okay, we're going to find a bus right now. I'm going to put you on that bus, and you're going home. And she goes, I, you know what? I need to go home. She was hypnotized. And so I sent her home, and I said, okay, Jesus, you know, <laughs> you know I, how do you explain these things? It's just that you hear there is a voice that's in you that sometimes tells you things, and you can act on that. And, but it's only in acting that you know. Faith has an action to it. And, and that's the only way, I think, that we know, oh, that was God. So... Uh, can you handle some more? Yes. Okay. Some of these have good principles. I think you should have the, the principles. That's a good idea. <laughs> uh, we were just not too long ago, we were in, now tell me if I'm wrong, but was that in the Ukraine when the ambassador, with the ambassador came? Yes. Yeah? Um, I was preaching in the, in the Ukraine and there was, oh, 50,000 people there, maybe 60,000 people. And they're, they're parting the, the, themselves. And I'm looking at it, at him, I said, there's a person standing here, I mean, walking towards us. And they all know him. They all are giving him room. So he comes up and uh, he's showing this this, uh, I guess it was a, a brace for his leg. He says, I was, uh, was it? 
It was, I am, yeah, I know he kept saying, I am a Christian. I remember him saying that. Okay, that's Cote d'Ivoire. Cote d'Ivoire. West Africa. Okay, I got the, the wrong place. West Africa, Cote d'Ivoire. He, he's, he's holding this thing. I didn't know what it was, but it was the brace that had been on his leg. He had he'd never been able to use his leg. But what happened, he told me the story, is that he was flying in. He's, a, he's an ambassador uh, to... Uh, Yeah, king of his tribe. But he also, he wanted to get his leg fixed. So he went to John Hopkins University and to Mayo Clinic. He says, I want to go to the best places in the world to get this fixed. He went there in America. He has his own jet, flew in to both of them. They could not help him. So he came back and get this. This is why forsake not the day of any small beginning. He lands his jet in one of the coastal cities. He gets off his, his plane. It's raining. But there's a piece of paper on the ground. He didn't know why, but he just felt like pick it up. He picked it, and it was, um, it was a, an invitation to our preaching in that city in Cote d'Ivoire. And I don't know how it got into that city. But he looked at it, and he, he said, I need to go there because it, it was talking about healing was going to be there. So he's had all this failure. Money couldn't buy it. The best doctors in the world couldn't help him. So he's going to turn and see what a Christian can do. So he comes. He's in this big back of this big crowd. And uh, we pray. He prays. And his leg is healed. He pulls off the brace. He's holding the brace. And the, the whole society knows him. They're all moving away. He comes up and tells us this amazing story of, of his healing. The, the thing that he wanted all in life, he got it that night. But it wasn't the way he expected it. Okay, it, was a wet, it was a wet piece of paper that was floating around the, where the airplanes were. And it just so happened that he looked at it and picked it up. So don't ever forsake giving your story, putting it on a piece of paper, putting it in your back pocket, and when you feel like you want to put that somewhere, you go ahead and put it somewhere. It's, it's a sign. It's a purpose. It's got a plan. God has to use somebody. He has to use somebody. He has to use us. You know? I'd say if there's other ways, I'd tell you, go do it. Hallelujah. Are you enjoying this? These are, uh, uh, what are these? These are moments for the essentials in your life. In other words, these type of applications in your life create new experiences of God working with you. Not that you're a preacher or teacher, not anything like that, but that, that he is working with you. Well, I do have to, um, to close, but there might be one other thing. Can you handle one other yeah. Say this word with me. Same. 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 Say it again. Same. Same. Okay. I want to read you something. Uh, we are called joint heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. Romans 8, 16. All the 
verses that I was going to give you. I didn't give you any, so sorry about that. <laughs> Joint heirs uh, does not mean that we split the inheritance. It means that we get the same inheritance. It's not the, that we split it. Same power, same virtue, same blessing, same life, same resurrection, same salvation. It's not we all have to break it all down and give it out piece by piece. No, we get everything that Jesus is and was. He now is, is and was. Because what? Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Say that again with me. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. I want you to know that as you walk out this, this meeting today, that you start walking with the awareness of the same Jesus that you've read about, the same Jesus that you've listened to for years in this church. He is now using you. He is now speaking to you. He is now looking for the opportunities around you. Now, what does he want from you? Nothing. You, you, you do not owe him anything. He did this out of love for you. He gave what he gave. He gave out of love. He's not saying, if you do something for me, then I'll do something for you. That's not his way. His way is, I love you. I care for you. Yes, I would love to work through you, but I am not going to push it on you. But you can be sensitive. <laughs> you can choose. That's right. And you have the greatest message on the earth. I always think about that. Every time I see all these people, I have the message that will change every one of them. And I can connect him to them if they just will want it. And I, sometimes I walk away, and we have thousands of stories, as you can tell them, of people who wrote us who they didn't make the decision that day, but they couldn't walk away. They couldn't make the decision that day, but they could not walk away. Why? Because the seed. Say seed with me. Seed. You have a seed. And when you speak it with your mouth, believe it in your heart, and you, and you say it, that is a seed that you have planted. Whether it's a financial seed, talking about your own business, it's a seed that will create that business. Talking about your friends, it's a seed that will help those friends. Talking about your education, it's a seed that will give you revelation. Okay? So all that are seeds. God is working through you and me by giving us seeds. And then those seeds are growing up in us, and we get to see the result of those seeds. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> so I'm going to close. I'll tell you what, how my life started. It's a simple beginning. But I want you to have this also. My past was forgotten. For me to reject two major uh, works without ever getting a penny from them means I really had to turn away, you know. My past was forgotten. I had to forget that past. My future was secure. The knowledge that I was going to heaven is secure. I will be there. And then the third thing, that this Jesus is alive today. Okay, and uh, also I, I guess I should close with one last thing. Can you handle one more thing? Okay. One thing is this, is that there is a devil. There is a devil. And you have to be aware that there is a devil. And that he will work through people. That's all, he's looking to work through somebody. He's looking for us to, to, to 
have his seeds put into, into us. He wants to put his seeds in us, but we are, we're smarter than him. Okay? But there is a devil, and I remember when, one of the first weeks that I was born again, I was at the university, and this beautiful girl who was in my class, uh, she ignored everybody, ignored me, just ignored. And suddenly, here I am, born again, and she's all of a sudden very interested in me. She goes, come over and, uh, to my house, you know, and let's talk. So I go over to her house, and she, uh, <laughs> she wants to do more than talk. <laughs> I said, no, 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 no. She goes upstairs. She comes down with a gun. And she says, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> and I'm like, um, uh, I just ran. I ran for the door. And I'm running down the street. And maybe you've never had this experience. <laughs> I'm running down the street as fast as I can. Because I, I think she's showing me she's going to kill me. And so I, uh, the Lord speaks to me. See, how you know it was the Lord? I didn't know it because I, I had to figure it out. But he said, turn around. I said, I wouldn't say that to myself right now. I'd be running. Turn around, go back, give her the word. And I'm like, no, 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 no. <laughs> She's got a gun. <laughs> and so he just kept saying, turn around, go back, talk to her. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I went back, knocked on the door. She opens the door. She's still got the gun in her hand. I said, <laughs> I said, okay, you need to be born again. You need to meet God. You need to know Jesus. She looked at me. She said, you're right, I do. <laughs> I said, you're going to get born again right now. You're going to receive Jesus right now. She, she opened up and she showed me all the scars. This was an evil woman. I mean, she was evil scars all over. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. She, she needs to be helped. <laughs> so I just said, okay. This is why I'm telling you this story is this. Is that I said, she said, okay, pray for me. So I said, okay, sit down. I prayed for her. First I prayed with her, then prayed for her. And I said, I, I said, said you got devils. <laughs> So I said, devils come out of her. And you know, I've never seen a devil that, that night. I saw five devils come out of her. I'm like, oh my goodness, does she have devils? And <laughs> the wonder why she went for that gun. The devil told her to get a gun and kill that guy, you know. And uh, so I just say that that hasn't happened since then. I've had, I've had guns pulled on me. I can't tell you all those stories. But that was when I just want you to be aware that we are in a battle. And I don't want you to think that it's all going to be la-la land. That you are in and you're going to be given opportunities. Take those opportunities, but recognize that there is a spirit that doesn't want you to go through those opportunities. And uh, I just wanted to let you know that maybe that would round out everything. Hallelujah. Did you enjoy this? All right. Let's say that that sermon is done. Put it away for a better day, huh? But I want to, I know I can't. Anyway, here's a new book. It's on it's 100 verses of the Bible for your healing. Jesus did three things in your life. He preached to you, he taught you, and he healed you. 
And he wants you to have those three things in your life. Knowledge and revelation and health. Okay? And he put, uh, this is over 100 verses. Okay? And uh, I want you to say, those are going to be mine. When I get, I'll get this to the pastor and as many as want it, they can have it. I'll keep the, I'll keep the price of the, of the, of the uh, book under $100. How about that? <laughs> Way under. <laughs> okay, but from this day forward, listen, you are the voice of God. Never bend over to a microphone. Never stoop to an insult. Never, never stop or stoop to lack in your life. Sometimes that lack wants to call you and, and beat you up. You are not lacking because Jesus is in you. He will not let you lack. I went around the world with Leslie with a dollar bill in our pocket. <laughs> Did you give that story? No. <laughs> well, she had to find out also that, that there's a supplier and it's not always in the bank. Amen? Never stoop to the lack. Never stoop to the devil. Never stoop Stoop to sinless, to be sinless again. I mean, to be sinful. Amen? And uh, I'll share the next time these other things that I've written. Hallelujah. Had a great time with you. I love you. appreciate you. You're patient. You're loving. And uh, you've been with us all these years. How many of this is the first time that, uh, that you've ever been here with me? Okay. Some of you have been missing it. The once a year that I'm here. <laughs> but uh, it's okay. It's good to see you. Glad that you're here. Look forward to a future with you some more. And uh, pray for us as we go to uh, Albania uh, because that's going to be a desperate thing. We also have Russia that we're moving on with. So, Leslie? Yeah. So, um, Kevin, before you go, Let's pray. Uh, Pastor Daryl. Yeah, you want to pray? Can I pray and then we'll... You sure? Sure. Let's just do this, everybody. First, I need you out of that position that you're in. Okay? You cannot get anything sitting down. You've got to be standing up. <laughs> oh, that's right. That's right. Okay, everybody. This is what I want you to do. You yourself might be completely healthy and you might not be, Okay. I'm going to pray a prayer for you yourself. But if, that, if you are healthy already, reach, reach up your hand for the person, the friend that, that you want healed, okay? And just reach out with his name where you are at. So that either yourself or somebody else, pray. I'm going to pray. God's going to use the prayer and do what he does. He's a healer. Okay, so raise up your hand. Father God, I do thank you for this time together. I thank you, Lord, for every individual that's within this church. I thank you, Lord, for all the time, the prayers, the years, the giving, all the things that they've made possible for all these other nations. Lord, you have, they, they, they have been wonderful, Lord. They are great people. And I thank you, Lord, 
for touching them as they are reaching up their hand for their physical body, for their friends, for whatever situation that they need your touch in. I now come to you in the name of Jesus. And I thank you, Lord, for the anointing that breaks every yoke that would be on their bodies, every yoke that would be on their friends, everything that would be hindering them. Father God, I thank you. We break the power of that in Jesus' name. We loose, Lord, the blessings that you've given for all humanity. We loose it on them, Lord. And thank you for the, your presence in them, your voice to them, your anointing through them. From this day forward, in Jesus' name, amen. We hope you enjoyed this message by Word of Life Church. We just wanted to let you know there's a lot more content on our website at wolapopka.com. From our YouTube channel, to our podcast, to our SoundCloud, and many more events. We also wanted to let you know that we love giving you these messages. And it helps us too that if you would love to give to the what we're doing, it helps keep all these messages free. You can just simply go to our website and click the big Give Now button. Or you can text 407-955-5345. And remember, our pastor's vision is this. We grow Christians. So we thank you for listening and we'll see you next time.